I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. So this is the first of three different director interviews that I did at the Dehok International Film Festival. I sat down with Kay Bahar uh, first after the premiere of the festival, and he had a lot of very strong opinions about the selection of the opening film, uh, which sort of framed the entire conversation we had about the responsibility that film festivals like Dehok's carry for societies like Kurdistan's. Um, I'll speak for myself when I say that my main issue with the selections at this film festival was the repetitive choice to pick sort of the same storylines. A lot of Peshmerga-focused narratives, a lot of things about ISIS, occupation, oppression of women. Uh, These are all commonly occurring themes in Kurdish documentaries and features, and for a good reason, because these are consistent topics that give both insight to Kurdish history as well as the present situation for Kurds in Iraq specifically. Uh, But the way that these stories are presented are often in this incredibly heavy-handed manner uh, to the point of coming across as redundant after a while. And the issue that I have is not only are there other stories to tell here besides those that directly connect to these categories, but the lack of nuance and flexibility and levity uh, that the characters written in these stories provide really can weigh down the entire film. And the film culture here suffers because of that. There's a version of this in every culture's film scene. For example, Hollywood annually has Oscar nominations uh, that have the same kind of heavy-handed pandering films that are designed to get a ton of critic attention uh, without much regard for identifying with audiences. Uh, But there's extra pressure on places like Kurdistan to both hold up a mirror to the society that presents at least a somewhat faithful and flattering image, as well as pushing narratives out into the world that are interesting and, and matched sort of foreign audiences, specifically Western audiences, expectations of that region. And the things that people know about out here are reflected in these films. The themes that I've talked about before, those are the things that Westerners know and care about out here. Kay Bahar has been making documentaries about the Kurdistan region of Iraq since the early 90s, and he was the first documentary filmmaker from the region to focus on Kurdish stories in an effort to bring more light to the region, and he's had an incredibly busy career, having directed 21 features in documentaries as well as working as an actor. And more recently, he's gone from focusing on documentaries towards fictional scripts, which is a transition we'll be getting into as well. And we talk about his own short film submission, Where Was I? But... Mainly, we focus on his frustration with Kurdish cinema, specifically the types of films shown at this film festival. And it really comes through in this interview, that frustration. And and while I don't necessarily agree with all of the points that he makes about the obligations that Kurdish storytellers have, I did find a lot of his criticism valid. The film that we talk about in the beginning of this interview is Hussein Hassan's The Rain Bride, which is the story of a woman recovering from the loss of her husband when he joins the Peshmerga to assist in the resistance against ISIS. And it's safe to say that we both found this film very flawed. Although I would say for actually fairly different reasons, and our critique of it, or mine at least, isn't really intended to set the film up as a punching bag for the interview, but I I do believe that the Rain Bride selection as the premiere for this festival is very telling about the inner politics that exist in film festivals like this one. And as a submission, a prominent submission that ended up getting a lot of awards at this festival, I think that some amount of scrutiny is more than appropriate. So with all that said, here's my conversation with Kay Bahar. So uh, first of all, I want to ask, when did you get in? 
Uh, and uh, where did you come from from getting in? Uh, you're talking about getting into the, the hook. The hook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I left on the 30th of November, so that's what, three days ago? Couple, yeah. yeah. We came early too. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I flew out from uh, London Heathrow. Okay. And uh, via Amman. Um, but then I have a um, wonderful friend called Miran, Miran Dizay, who's mm. um, been working with me over probably 15 years now. Uh, we produced quite a few films together, documentaries, and he didn't want the so-called VIP car to come and pick me up from the festival because he was there. Oh, already. got it. Okay. He always does that. Yeah. Yeah, he's excellent. So he's like so a yeah, fixer. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just uh, got in the car with Miran, and then next day we, uh, on the first, yeah, on the, uh, for the opening. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you were there for the premiere last night? Uh, yes. What did you think? I think the actual organization is wonderful. It's mm -hmm. such a huge effort. Mm -hmm. So much to consider. But also, I like the fact that they are trying to be ambitious, like grand right. opening mm -hmm. of the festival. Um, something else I would like also to see, because already the effort and the energy is being put, mm -hmm. and the money and the resources, and the place, wonderful. Right. The venue, great. Mm -hmm. And what a fantastic way of, of opening it with this uh, Kurdish folk music. Right. Uh, that was actually really cool, that, that performance last they night. They look so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That guy's voice was amazing. Exactly. Yeah. And the instrument, the costume. All of it. Yeah. And also the, the um, storytelling songs, we mm. call them Hairan, and all that's fantastic. Again, um, following that, I would have preferred a film with a lot more energy and spacey and, and, and something um, that is challenging, new. Uh, also, especially for majority of, obviously, the audience were Kurds, mm. right? That is what you live every day of your life. Anyway, at home, why do bother to go to cinema mm -hmm. if that's what is repeated on the screen? And also, in, in a way, pretty dull way, because uh, most of the time on the one tone, Halfway through, it was really collapsing. I, I, I get really annoyed when I see people looking at their mobile phones. It only happens when the film is not working. Uh, and that is a great shame to have it at the opening. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not a good culture. Mm -hmm. That's a monopoly culture. That's mm -hmm. um, a mafia culture. That's a culture of control. And... You can't do that in a film festival. A film festival is supposed to represent the country, not just a group of people, mm -hmm. that every year it has to be their own film mm -hmm. to be screening at the premiere, mm -hmm. and then it's not a good film. Interesting. Okay. All right, so you didn't like it? Uh, not at all. Uh -huh. Not at all. Because um, it was a weak script, it was lacking of the infrastructure of, uh, sorry, the structure of uh, 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 an arc. Mm -hmm. in the, to start with, I thought this was the story of this guy who is going to become a partisan. Right. 
Okay. Okay. All and, right. Oh, that's interesting that that's where you thought it was going. Yeah. And then not long after, it became the story of uh, the wife. Mm -hmm. And then not long after, it became the story of the brother who wasn't going Dilo, to get yeah, married. Yeah, and yeah. then not long after, it became the story of the guy who replaced him as a choreographer mm -hmm. because he was not very happy with this woman, didn't turn up. And then a little bit later, it was the story of the parents who wanted their son to marry this woman. Mm -hmm. So it, it really was not a clear journey from the perspective of one character, one plot, and then you add subplots. I agree with that. I, I actually, I'll tell you my problem with it was uh, my take from the beginning was actually not about the journey of him becoming a partisan. That's interesting that that's where you thought it was going because I didn't see that at all. But maybe that's because I'm not Kurdish and I didn't see that coming as like the plot element. But that's okay. That's interesting. What I saw was actually a building tension between the husband and wife yes. that was, I thought was going to build on from the beginning. Yes. Due to that first scene. Yes. And it would be sort of a journey of her asserting herself more as things became more tense politically around them. Yes. Uh, and in a way it was, but my issue was that the film's point was that she moves through this journey, they start in fall, they go through winter as she's grieving in the spring, she begins to take a journey. There's a clear thing, there's the, the metaphor with the thread as it spins. There's all of this stuff and, and he builds on that, but... Uh, it's the idea is making her more and more empowered and independent and things like that as the script moves on. But the problem is, at its core, she's entirely defined by this guy who was in the first 15 minutes of the film and then disappears. Absolutely. So it doesn't really pass the Bechdel test. No, ab absolutely. <laughs> Bechdel test, but however you also, pronounce it. Yeah. On a moral level, mm. there is a huge contradiction. Mm. We are opening a film festival, the major film festival mm -hmm. in Kurdistan. And the, three f the first three speakers mm -hmm. on stage, they were talking about the bravery of the Kurds mm -hmm. resisting at the pressure of Iran, Turkey, and Iraq, and Syria, resisting at the international plot of superpowers mm -hmm. trying always to uh, use us in favor of their whatever oil, if you want to. <laughs> if you uh, want to. <laughs> uh, 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 and yet the speakers were talking about the bravery of the Kurds, the bravery of the Peshmerga having fought ISIS, the bravery of the fact that we are uh, hosting IDPs and all this. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, at the opening film of the festival, we are watching a film about one guy is needed to go to the front line to become a Peshmerga, mm. and the wife is becoming totally depressed about it. Mm -hmm. uh, she's outraged about it. She's telling him, what about me? What about... Which is not taken in con into consideration. Me, yeah. yeah. And I am supposed to feel for this woman? Mm -hmm. Not at all. Excuse mm. me. He is going to fight for the nation, for the country. I want you to put a scarf around him, but also tell him, we are proud of you. I'm the opposite. That's so funny. Yeah. I don't feel for this guy at all. Not at all. Because me neither. I, because me as, a, as, as not a Kurdish person, I, yeah. I see this guy being asked to go to the front lines, and my thought is, and then the next scene, he says, I'm going back to the Peshmerga. Not... 
what do you think about me going back? He doesn't take her into consideration at all. It's not a discussion between them. No, absolutely. I, and as, yeah. a, as a non-Kurd, as an American who doesn't have to make those choices yeah, yeah, in no, my no, society. No, I agree. I agree my with you. Stances, I yeah, yeah. I've not fallen for the guy yeah, yeah. at all. I had no empathy mm -hmm. with any of the characters. Interesting. Not at all. I okay. mean, the, with the brother who I really like as an actor, and mm -hmm. I think he was very badly used as an actor. Actually, I thought all the actors were brilliant in it. Yeah, yeah. well, you could say that they were pulling across a situation that otherwise would have been pretty desperate. Mm, and okay. they managed to save the boat mm -hmm. for that, yeah. in that regard. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. And if she was directed uh, properly, it, she could have been so much more better. Shots fired. <laughs> no, no, no. The reality, you know what? This is the reality. Mm. You have you, um, Clint Eastwood mm -hmm. is one of those very successful directors who can be in front of the camera and be also behind the camera. Mm -hmm. But that is after 50 years of filmmaking and great experience that he has achieved this quality. But not only, while he's in front of the camera, he certainly has someone with big directing eyes mm -hmm. on the monitor, okay? It's very risky to write, direct, produce, act, all in a precarious situation mm -hmm. when the fundings are not brilliant, when the uh, everything else is not so favorable. So, so how, do, how do you manage that with your own direction? Um, I think uh, at the heart of every successful film is a great script. Mm. No wonder Hitchcock said you have to do three things to make a great film. Good script, good script, good script. <laughs> and when your script is weak, no matter how great your actors are, or the theme, or the location, or the setting, and all that, it really will suffer. And I would always be very careful in the script level. So when you, okay, so let's talk a little bit about your own background, because you've begun with many documentaries. Yes. And uh, now you've moved on to uh, feature. feature, but I'll, I'll actually call it third person narrative. Uh, yeah. which I think is a better way of thinking about it. Uh, it's, it's, it's the journey from first person of, of, of going from I to he or she. Uh, and between those two, for a documentary, you have to find a story. And the scope of it, you have to look at the arc. But it's not in your hands. It's mm. based on the quality of the interview and what you're exposing about a subject, yes. rather than with a script that yes. you have to curate yes. for your audience. So when... What are the differences between those two forms of storytelling for you, and when did you decide to make the leap from one to the other? Oh, um, I was uh, introduced to cinema going when I was four. Okay. Uh, in Kirkuk, during the uh, prior to Saddam Hussein, mm -hmm. and uh, even during Saddam Hussein's time, not the latest years early years of his, especially when they made uh, peace with the Kurds mm -hmm. in 1970, when they recognized Kurdistan and the autonomy for the Kurds. Mm -hmm. We had um, five cinemas plus five open cinemas, because from late spring to mid-autumn, you could watch 
in the open air. You could watch films. Right. And they brought films from all over the world. We, I was watching Rawhide uh, on our telly in 1970, 71. I was watching Star Trek. Uh, not many people would believe me when I say I was watching Dallas and I was mm. watching uh, <laughs> the Avengers or Bewitched right. in Kirkuk in 1971-72. Mm -hmm. uh, equally, all the great films from everywhere, from everywhere in the world. And so therefore, and at the time we didn't have any fanaticism at all, mm -hmm. not even in the air of it. Boys and girls freely wearing t-shirt and jeans going to cinema together and uh, wonderful, very colorful life. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, um, I was brought up then, introduced to cinema and I absolutely loved it. And I fall in love with the Italian cinema, especially Sergio Leone, especially the Spaghetti Western. There we go. And especially the good and the bad and the ugly. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. um, um, knew I wanted to go to Italy from the age of 10. And I wanted to go to there to be an actor. I wanted to be an actor. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted to be. And I started to play roles uh, at uh, stage plays at school because they would put on a show and they didn't have women taking part at the time. The culture was not developed yet. Mm -hmm. at and I was a hippie with my long hair <laughs> and soft skin. I would often play the role of a woman okay. on, on stage. And then I was arrested at the age of 14 by Saddam's secret police. Mm -hmm. And I was really going to be hanged or maybe executed. But luckily, my older brother was very, very, very rich. And he managed to buy my life back. Uh, that extra reason, a second arrest would have been fatal. And sec that's extra reason why I needed to go. Mm -hmm. What was the reason for your arrest? Uh, no, other, no more than, no, no, none other than being a Kurd. Okay. Yes. Right. I think they were trying to give us lessons early on. I doubted that they were bothered too much about me appearing on stage. Mm -hmm. And certainly at the age of 14, although very passionately Kurdish and pro-Kurdistan, but I had no activities of political mm -hmm. activities or affiliation whatsoever. But I knew about us Kurd, I knew about Kurdistan because my older brothers were Peshmerga mm -hmm. uh, in the mountains. And so um, I, I, I left and went to Italy and did drama school there and I worked as an actor for seven years. Mm -hmm. with, um, a Venetian theater company, and I also developed my studies of film and television at the same time. Uh, and um, after th spending 13 years in Italy, I decided to move to the UK because, after all, it is still an island. Italy is slightly less cosmopolitan mm -hmm. uh, world, even so they have more tourists going there, and, uh, but that's a different story. So what made me to become a documentary filmmaker when initially I was so passionate actually about fiction? When I first arrived in Italy, I have come out of this horrible regime. By then, Saddam's regime has become a complete nightmare, mm -hmm. especially for the Kurds, all right? 
So we had no freedom whatsoever. Now, finally, I am on a plane going to Europe, going to Italy. I land there. I go and register at the university to learn Italian. And now I am free to say who I am. Because mm -hmm. back home, I couldn't say I am from Kurdistan. So when in Italy, I introduced myself and I said I am from Kurdistan, I believed because of the Kurdish resistance and because of the so many decades of fighting in Kurdistan and the Peshmergas, people would know about us very well. In the same way, I as a teenager knew about Jaguara and I knew about the South America and I knew. But then when I said I am from Kurdistan, they said Pakistan. I was shocked. I said, no, Kurdistan. Ah, where is that? I really was so upset with the whole Kurdish leadership. I just thought, wow. They are prepared to sacrifice themselves, their families, the whole Kurdish people, fighting for decades in the mountains. They've never, ever, ever come to their minds to think, I also need to develop our media, our press, our PR around the world. Why would I, as a teenage Kurd, know about Jaguara? And why would no one in the world know about hundreds of Jaguaras we had in mm -hmm. Kurdistan? I, I, it really, really, really shocked me, upset me. And that's when I decided to be a, become a documentary filmmaker. So to go back to the, the concept of script, yeah. Uh, div when did you? What challenges do you find with being able to find a story through a documentary lens, especially a Kurdish story, for example? Uh, and we can use your critique of the premiere of of the Rain Bride as 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 an example of something that you saw uh, as a story that had been overdone or not done properly, uh, and and apply that to documentaries. What is the proper way to tell a story uh, about Kurdistan, for example, or anywhere? Well, whether it's documentary or fiction, mm -hmm. we Kurds should tell the story of our bravery. Mm -hmm. We've been through hell on earth many times over, and we lived, we survived. This is what we are. The world needs not to look at us as victims. I, I had enough of these crying in Kurdish films. I, have in, I had enough of Kurds constantly making films about being victims. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't make a film about chemical attack or about Anfal or about uh, ISIS. Mm -hmm. No, but please, a community, a people are made of individuals. And films need individual characters, not sheep-looking hard-looking characters. Right. Okay. And I find that narratives like that, the dependence on narratives like that about the history of Anfal and, and, and ISIS and things like that, it detracts from sort of some of the other flaws in Kurdish culture that have to do with, for example, like corruption. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. The filmmaker almost has now entered a totally wrong culture because... Um, because of the nepotism in Kurdistan, mm. they believe 
the only way they can get a budget or fund it, their project can be funded, if they make a film about Anfal, if they make a film about uh, Kazakhstan, if they make a film about uh, ISIS. And from a journalistic perspective, it's similar. That's the way you get Western media attention. Yes. Yes. And, but, uh, whether documentaries, later we can talk about fictions, my documentaries, okay, so here is the first documentary I made in 1993, and that is called The Kurds Are Not Beggars. And that's the first ever documentary film to be made by a Kurd, produced in Kurdistan. Mm -hmm. And from there on, my second, three years later, I make a documentary, I made a documentary for the BBC called uh, Escape from the Safe Haven. And this, the slot was inside story, 50 minutes, but they liked it so much, they went out as special 65 minutes, mm -hmm. okay? And in no way in that documentary I showed any call for being pitying me or being a victim. No, on the contrary, I show as a Kurd what risks I can take to achieve my goal. Mm. A bloody hell, honestly, if I was arrested on that journey because I went through mafia, I went through Turkish gendarma, I went through hell in, on that journey. It took me three months to do that journey. I had a wife pregnant a beautiful house and business in England, and I left everything coming to Kurdistan to do the journey from here all the way to the UK, <laughs> pretending to be an asylum seeker, pretending to be a refugee, so that I would show the world what does it take for a refugee? What is the hurdle, mm -hmm. the obstacles, the danger? How could how you could be ending up in a container and suddenly find yourself in the Philippines if you come out alive. Mm -hmm. How could you be killed and cheated? And We can make it. Believe me, we really can. We have such fantastic stories in, here in Duhok, around Duhok. But we need to spend time on the character because ultimately it's our character who we fall, fall, fell in, fall, fell in love with, uh, fall in love with, and then we see ourselves in them, and we follow them throughout the film. Mm -hmm. If we come out with weak characters, victimization, trying to kind of also, you know, we have to be also a bit careful because you are making film okay for Kurdistan as well as abroad, you want to be inspiring your own audience at home. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a big duty because, you know, during Saddam Hussein, all our cinemas were destroyed. The new generation grew up without cinemas. Many of the Kurdish filmmakers, they've never been to cinema before. Never. Mm -hmm. When I made, in 1996, when I came back to Kurdistan to make the film for BBC, I ran the first ever Kurdish film workshop in Erbil. And quite a few of those who you see making film now, they were in that workshop. Mm. But they had not seen films, they had not seen cinema. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say that that is now developing and changing very much in this new generation. Reko is actually a perfect example. Absolutely, it's brilliant. <laughs> One of the it? younger waves of people who are, I mean, there's an enormous creative culture coming out right now. Absolutely, yeah. and, and we, as filmmakers, need to further support that and mm -hmm. inspire it, especially the audience, okay? 
if I produce a film in Kurdistan, let's say it's going to be very successful in Kurdistan, what do I mean by that? I mean by that hundreds of thousands of Kurds will go to, to watch it. So a film is made of the market. Otherwise, why would you make it if mm -hmm. no one watches your film? Which means it's also our duty in the way we think and make films to build our audience more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Well, if we're going to give them films that is so depressing, so downbeat, so about crying, I'm sorry, that's what they live in. They're not gonna, you're not going to build audience. You're not going to inspire more and more audience to come forward. No wonder why how many thousands of young Kurds run away, still go to Europe or abroad. No, we need to inspire them that by the way, we, the kind of language we use, the dialogue. You know what? Hardly any people know me in Kurdistan. I have 22 films. Mm. Return to Kirkuk, A Year in the Fire, has more than 200 million viewers. You put all the Kurdish films together, and I want to see if they make 200 million viewers. No chance. And yet, no. In fact, this evening, the guys told me, we're going to give you a red carpet. I said, is that really necessary? Don't worry about it. Why? Because I want to be on the same level with the young ones. I want to see them developed. I want see, to see them forward. Mm -hmm. Before I am a Kurdish filmmaker, I am a filmmaker. I like to make a film that has no boundaries and people can, anywhere in the world, enjoy it. Not because they know about Kurdistan. No, because it's a good film or let's say it's a film that's appealing. So why don't we pivot to talking about if we're looking at inspirational stories. Your submission this year is certainly one. Uh, there's a few, okay, there are aspects of this, uh, this short that I liked very much. And then there are aspects that I'm gonna be honest, confused me a lot. What I loved about it was how you define the story entirely uh, through a, a verse. Yes. I thought that was beautiful. Uh, I thought that was very moving, the, the verses of Rumi, and uh, because I was able to uh, figure out the dichotomy between the woman uh, and his relationship as like a burglar before, and then, yes. and then being able to transition into poetry. Exactly. I understand So there that. were three friends. Right. You had Riley, the woman, the burglar. Yes, Riley. Not the good friend. Yeah. And also... She had let down JJ in the past. Mm -hmm. And then you had Christian, the good friend. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now that he's in this mess, these two friends come back. The first one comes and offers him a choice, an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then the second one comes and offers him a, a choice, an opportunity. Obviously, he's not pleased with the first one because mm -hmm. the first one had let him down in the past and doesn't trust really. But then she's talking about massive amount of money. And this guy has got nothing to lose. The second one comes, punches him. Mm -hmm. And because the second one is the one who really cares. And the ones who they did shows together, he manages the theater, he owns the theater, and JJ were perfor was performing there at the height of his career. And now he's coming to say to him, look, stop playing victim, okay? It's about time to move on. It wasn't your fault what's happened. It wasn't your fault. And 
that makes JJ even more upset because he really needs to get out of this shit. Mm -hmm. And that's why he goes and destroys everything and finally brave enough to go and visit Bella's grave. Mm -hmm. And then immediately after he says sorry and leaves the photo, makes a call saying I am in. But now we don't know if he's in for the burglary or mm -hmm. if he's in for the... And, and the first call, phone call to uh, uh, Riley is from a past timeline, correct? Or from a previous, from before. It's, it's not a linear narrative. Yes. That's the idea. You know, it jumps back and forth right. quite a lot. Mm -hmm. But what you said was really important to me. And I'm hoping I am not... Uh, spoiling this for the viewers of the film. But it's really important that... Um, by the way, the script is not mine. The script is written by Kat McMillan. She's an English mm -hmm. writer. I was called in to direct it and produce it. And this is the first time I am directing a film that's not written by myself. Okay. Uh, and that's my 21st film. Um, what is really important... For my vision, the poem was coming at the end. Okay. I said, this guy is telling his story through this poem. On stage, I want the film to be narrated from this poem. Were you approached to direct this film, or did you choose the script? How did well, this happen? Well, they, they, no, absolutely. When uh, she put it on a platform, we have a platform mm -hmm. uh, where you look for directors. So she put the script on a platform, this platform looking for directors. And she did a very clever job to include a copy of the script. Uh -huh. When I read the script, I was hooked. I thought, wow, life is a game of choice. Not often we think about it. Making a decision could be so crucial that could change our entire life. This is Calvino, the great Italian writer, mm -hmm. explored it in a, uh, in a book called The Invisible Cities. And he says, by not taking this alley, but taking that alley, you change your entire life. Did anything about the poetry as a path to salvation resonate with you? I'm curious. Um, because in the, you told me, actually, and, and to bring this up, just to bring it back to Kurdish narrative, uh, the idea of, of, of spoken word storytelling, yes. for example, through a poetry recital, might yes. resonate more with Kurdish filmmakers. And I'm wondering if that resonated with you in any way. It does. Mm -hmm. The actual poem was written by an American um, poet. Uh, it does, because I am from the generation of no, non books. Mm -hmm. When I was a child, we didn't have books to read at home. Right. We had, um, I had my great storytellers. Right. I had my mom and dad orally telling these stunning, beautiful, fantastic stories that they heard from their parents and from generations going down that way. But not only, we have a unique, which I really one day want to make a film about it. We have a way of singing, a mountain folk singing style. We call it hairan, which is storytelling singing. Mm -hmm. And this is so beautiful. We, haven't, we have not explored it yet. It is such a beautiful way of making a film about this hairan and storytelling. 
Something else in Kurdish is really beautiful, that Kurds, because we were not Muslims originally, mm-hmm. Islam invaded us. Islam, and we never recovered from their destruction, to be honest. Uh, but before that, we were Zoroastrians, we were pagans, we, are, we were fire worshippers, nature worshippers, and therefore, most of the Kurdish names are named after nature. I'm going to close this interview off uh, by asking for you to give me one recommendation of a film that's screening at uh, this film festival that people should check out, and then one film. And I'd like to keep it actually... uh, Actually, no, any film that you've seen this year outside of this film festival that you'd like to recommend to people. Um, I certainly can only answer that question about films I have seen. Mm-hmm. myself and therefore I absolutely recommend you and everyone do not miss Ruben Ostwund's films Square the Play these are magical films mm-hmm. when I watch Square whoa this is a brave filmmaker he can really face wow This is fantastic. Great respect for him. All right. And outside of this uh, film festival? Oh, 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 oh. Talking with the trees from Sudan. Absolutely stunning. It's absolutely fantastic, especially because it gives you so much. It, it, you know, there, here you go. This is an example of bravery, inspiration, making a film with hardly any resources by people who would you think they are so fragile if I just with one finger touch this person will collapse. And yet, blimey, the journey these guys go through in that film. Wow, that's inspiration. It gave me so much hope. It gave me so much strength. When I saw this film, I said, wow, I don't have anything to complain about compared to what these guys are going through. And yet, they're making such a brilliant film. Well, Kai Bahar, thank you so much for talking with me tonight. Well, thank you very much and all the very best. Cheers. Yeah, thanks for your time. I'd like to thank Kai Bahar once again for taking some time at the festival to talk with me. I'm providing links to his own website below, Joka Films, as well as a trailer uh, to his film submission, Where Was I? Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network, and you can check out our podcast on kurdistanin.net. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at info at kurdistanin.net. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan. Inside Kurdistan.